I ask, if you will, to turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Luke chapter 1, and we'll read from verse 26 through 38. Today's message has to do with the trust of Mary, which you've also been studying in your Sunday school and Bible study material, Mary's trust, our trust. If you are physically able to stand, I encourage you to stand with me in honor and reverence of reading God's holy word this morning. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word today. Thank you and you may be seated. There is a story that has been told about Alexander the Great that uh, when he traveled in times of battle, he had a favorite doctor that always traveled with him, was by his side serving him in many capacities. Well, that was a very cherished position, and there was another doctor uh, that was in the army that wanted that cherished doctor's position. He wanted to be right under Alexander the Great. But Alexander the Great loved this doctor. And so the jealous doctor wrote a letter and got it to Alexander the Great, warning him of his cherished doctor's intentions to poison him. And he wrote in the letter, Tomorrow morning there will be death in your goblet or your cup. The next morning came and Alexander the Great sat and his cherished doctor brought his cup and sat it in front of him. It was told that Alexander the Great took the cup and he opened the letter And he read the letter that the jealous doctor had written to him, warning him that his most trusted companion doctor was going to poison him. 
And he read that letter, and before the cherished doctor could say anything, Alexander the Great, in front of all, showed his trust of his dear doctor companion that went with him everywhere and drank down the cup. Of course, it was a lie. It was not true. But there, Alexander the Great showed to all that day of his trust in his physician. Beloved, we read of a story of a young Jewish virgin that showed great trust in the message from the Lord that day. And if Alexander the Great can show that kind of trust, even in the midst of questioning for his doctor, how much more can we trust our great physician, Jesus Christ, in all matters of life? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Precious Lord, we come to you again. And Lord, as we come to a time of proclaiming your word, I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would use my tongue as an arrow with your word upon it to pierce the souls of all of us here today, including my own. And Lord, upon those arrows, Lord, would be poison and salve at the same time, that it would wound and heal. And Lord, to help us to see you as you really are, mighty and great and wonderful, that you would give us faith to trust you today, Lord Jesus, and give us strength in all areas of our life to submit our life to you like this young Jewish virgin did so many years ago. Tend to your sheep, Lord, according to your will today. In Christ's name, amen. There's some things I want you to notice this morning about this passage of Scripture. And first, we must always notice the message, the angel's salutation, because the message is the most important thing. The message, when the angel came to Mary that day, was in verse 30, it says, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which means the Lord is salvation. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary knew what the angel was speaking about. The Messiah. The great eternal King that was to come. And reestablish the greatness and the power of Jerusalem. To save them from captivity and oppression of the Roman government. Mary knew this as a young Jewish girl. She had been taught the Scriptures of the Old Testament. She too had longed and waited for the Messiah to come and to free them and to make Israel great again. This was now the message. It is time. The Redeemer is coming. The Savior is coming. And He came to this young girl. And we see Mary's surprise. 
And I love this. That tells us a lot about Mary's character. In verse 29, it says, But she was greatly troubled at the same and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. In other words, what I'm saying is, Mary was humble. She didn't say, Well, it's about time you came to me. I'm glad somebody noticed my greatness. She wasn't expecting this. She didn't feel that she was worthy of this calling to bring forth, but to use her body to bring forth the Savior of her people. I wonder, and I have to think about that. Sometimes we kind of have that attitude about things, don't we? Huh, it's about time you called me. I'll fix this for you. You shouldn't have waited so long. I'll take care of this. I'll fix this problem at the church. And those are usually the people that say they're going to take care of people and fix things that cause more problems than anything else. This was not the case with Mary. She was trying to discern, why me? What is this all about? What do I have to do with this great plan of the promise that I have known since a young girl that God would send a Savior to His people? So not only do we see the angel salutation in the message that she would trust, but also we see her surprise. But then how beautiful it is to see Mary surrender in verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. She trusted God's message. She didn't quite understand everything, how it would work and how things would play out, but she trusted God's message delivered to her from God's messenger, the angel Gabriel. She simply trusted him. Hebrews 3.12 says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. In that section of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is telling the people to trust the promises of God and do not fall away from the message that has been given to them. Lest they miss the rest for their souls found in Jesus Christ. I want you to notice something what the writer of Hebrews says. An unbelieving heart is evil. It shows a lack of trust in God and His message and His promises. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. And what does an unbelieving heart do when we do not trust God's message? We do not trust God. And it leads us to fall away from the presence of the living God, bringing death in our life in many different ways. Many believe in Jesus. Even the demons believe in Jesus. There's not a great merit in just saying, I believe in the person of Jesus. The demons know who Jesus Christ is. And yet they will spend eternity in hell. Many believe in Jesus. Many, some others even believe that He truly is God's Son. But even that alone won't save you, beloved. Hear me this morning. Even the demons believe that He's 
God's Son, that He's the Savior. They know these things. Satan understands these things and believes them. Just believing in Jesus and believing that He's the Savior will not save you. It will not rescue you from hell. But trusting in the message that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to eternal life in the glories of heaven. And submitting and surrendering your life to Him. Making Him your Lord and your Savior. Now that will bring salvation. And there are many today sitting in pews across the nation, across the world, that believe they're okay because they came to an altar and they had a preacher pray with them and they believed in Jesus and they believed that there was a man Jesus and they believed that He is the Son of God. But they've never surrendered their life to Him truly in their heart. They've never submitted to Him like Mary said, I am your servant. A servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. I give my life to you. I receive you as my Savior. And what you did at the cross of Calvary, believing it is able to save me. And I trust in your work at Calvary. I believe in the empty grave. And I believe because you live, I too shall live. This is true saving faith. Many believe in Jesus, believe in even that He's God's Son, the Messiah. But the question is, do we trust the message? Do we trust the Word of God? Do we trust Him when He calls us to live the life He has purposed for us? That's the question. Again, note Mary's surrender. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your Word. That is fruit or revealing to the world our true salvation. Not just that we say we believe in Jesus Christ. Not just that we believe He is the Son of God. Not just believing that He did die on the cross. But we give our life to Him. We submit our life to Him. It is popular for many Christians to say, and I've said it, do you accept Jesus Christ? But the true question is, have you surrendered your life to Him? Have you given your life to Him? And do you trust His Word? Do you receive the message of God's Word? Do you adhere to it? Do you give your life to the message of God? That reveals whether we truly trust the Lord with our life or not. Are we living the life that God has purposed for us to live? Mary did that. You know, many wonderful things can be said about Mary. But certainly, this childlike trust in the Lord would have to be at the top of the list. Let it be to me according to your word. I'm your servant. Now, I want us to observe some things about the mission that the Lord had called her to trust Him with. And I want us to be mindful today of these things as we come to the question of are we trusting the Lord with the mission He's given us? Are we living the life God has purposed for us to live? That's the question, beloved. Am I living my life for the Lord as He has spoken to me through His Word and through the Holy Spirit? 
Am I living the life God has prepared for me to live? That He's purposed for me to live. Am I living for God or am I living for myself? That is the question. And so I jotted down some notes this week about this. So when He calls us, I want you to note these things. That God provides the Savior. There's some maybe even here today in this room right now. You still believe, even though you've heard it time and time again. And you say, yeah, I believe Jesus is the Savior. And I believe He is God's Son. But I believe if I'm going to make it to heaven, it's going to be because I'm a good person. And because I'm a good person or a good father or a good mother or a good brother or a good sister or a good friend, whatever it is, and my good outweighs my bad, then God has to be inclined to let me in His heaven. I want to tell you, that is a lie from the pits of hell. And the road to hell is paved with good intentions and good works. Do I trust the Savior? God provided the Savior. And do you trust the message of Jesus Christ, that He was born of a virgin? That He became and bore our sins, your sins, my sins, at the cross of Calvary. And because of His willingness to die and bear our sins, we can be freed from our sins. He died and was resurrected on the third day. And because He lives, I may live also live abundantly, and live eternally with Him. God has provided the Savior, but not all with Mary. He not only provided the Savior, but He provided the King. Now, what does that mean? You remember what the angel's message was. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give Him the throne of His father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Now this is my good news to you today. God provides the Savior. God provides the King. Whatever he's called you to do in his life. And by that I mean the government did not lie upon Mary's shoulders. She just carried the message. Are you hearing me this morning? The government doesn't lie on my shoulders. I just carry the message. The government doesn't rest upon your shoulders. You just carry the message. God's going to take care of things is what I'm saying to you this morning. He has provided the king. He is establishing the kingdom. It has come and it is coming in totality. But God's taken care of that. And for maybe those type A personalities this morning that think you have to fix everything or things won't be in order, I've got good news for you. God's got His kingdom established through His King. He provided the King. He's provided the Savior. It's not all on you. You just, be, you just trust the message and you carry the message. I think that's pretty beautiful because just people like me, sometimes I get weighed down with the ministry and I get to thinking, if this, 
If this church is going to be successful, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And sometimes I start meddling into God's part instead of just staying with my part. And when that happens, I get depressed and I get anxious and I get worried. And then things don't go as well here and it's the same with all of us. We just carry the message. And it's responsibilities. God will take care of the glory of the kingdom. God provides the Savior and God provides the King. Secondly, God provides the power to accomplish His purpose. In verse 34, and, the, and Mary said to the angel, or I'm sorry, and the angel said to her, Thy Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. God provides the power to accomplish anything that He's called you to do. And matter of fact, this is in stark contrast to what the world's message is to you. The world's message is to our young people, you can be anything you want to be. You are are good enough and you're strong enough and you can accomplish anything. And that is the opposite message of the Bible. It's because only when we realize we're weak and we can't save ourselves is when we trust Christ. And it's the same in the work of the kingdom. God doesn't need a resume from you to show all your talents to God. Again, what was Mary's response? She was troubled by the angel. Why me? What's going on here? Why? I didn't expect this. I, I believe the Messiah was coming, but not through me. I'm a nobody. Why don't you go down the street to sister so-and-so? She's a much greater person, more known in the community, more respected in ministry here in our local synagogue. God wasn't interested in that. And you see, one of the great things we miss, because we don't like to reveal our weaknesses, but the truth is, even the Apostle Paul said he glories in his weaknesses because it reveals the power of God through him. He gloried. He was thankful for his weaknesses. God provides the power to accomplish his purposes. And so acknowledging our weakness in the body of Christ is a positive thing. I can't do this alone, God. And God said, as he told Mary through the angel, I'm with you. The Lord is with you. And he will provide. Mary asked, how can this be? She understood the birds and bees. And she understood she had never been with a man. How how can this be? And the angel told her, Mary, God provides the power. And he sent the Holy Spirit upon her. And the child was conceived in the womb. God provides the power to accomplish His purposes. You just surrender to Him and trust His message. Thirdly, God provides the people. Now what does that mean? God provides the people to encourage and support you. Look what the angel told Mary. And I want to say this. This was not by accident he told Mary this. She had just questioned, okay, I hear what you're saying, that you, you, I'm supposed to give birth to a son, but I've never been with a man, and I know how that works. And so the Spirit tells her, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. God will provide the power. God's providing the King. God's providing the Savior. But then he goes on to tell her about her cousin Elizabeth that would give birth to John the Baptist. 
in the first part of Matthew, we are told about Zechariah, a priest, and the angel came to him. And they were older in age at this point, and his wife Elizabeth had been barren. She would give birth to John the Baptist. It was a miracle at that time. And the angel tells Mary about Elizabeth. And behold, your relative Elizabeth is in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Listen to me this morning, beloved. Everybody's own in. God not only provides the Savior for what He's called you to do, He's not only provided the King to bear upon His shoulders the government of God and the kingdom of God, not only does He provide the power to accomplish what He has for your life when you surrender your life to Him, God provides the people. This is where a lot of people despise this. Because we like to hide a lot of things. But God provides the people to encourage you and support you in your time of need. God provides the people to encourage and support you as you trust God's message and walk in your life because it will not be easy. You hear me this morning? It will not be easy. It was not for Mary. And he gave her, he says, let me tell you about your cousin Elizabeth. See, listen to me. There's always somebody six months ahead of you. In other words, they've been through what, you've, what you're going through. If, you're, if you struggle with depression, there's people six months ahead of you that have. You see what I'm saying? And you can draw encouragement from their life. If you've lost a loved one, there's people in this room that have lost loved ones before you. They can encourage you and support you in what you're going through. Are you struggling with finances? There's somebody in this room you know, that have struggled with the same thing. With your faith, whatever it is, understanding things of the Bible, there's somebody six months ahead of you. I don't care if you're 90 years old. Rex is still 94. All right. Now, Rex, I don't know who we have for you, but we'll find somebody. And I think that's beautiful. What encouragement I have found from God providing people in my life when I have been burdened or when I'm struggling in my faith or when I'm just weighed down sometimes with even the weight of ministry and God sends people into my life to encourage me. And beloved, I have that message to you as well today and that's one of the glories of the church that many are missing of the encouragement that comes to the people of God. What a resource that you have. Young people. Don't despise the older people, middle-aged people. Don't despise the older people. There's, we can draw so much knowledge and wisdom from them. They've been through what you're going through. And even if it's not in this room, there are other Christians in this city and around the world that have been through what you're going through. There's always somebody six months ahead of you. And the angel tells Mary about Elizabeth. And she goes to Elizabeth and they rejoice together. And lastly, I want to tell you that God produces the product by His Word and its power. Look in verse 37 and 38 again. For nothing, He tells Mary, nothing will be impossible with God. God provides the product by His Word and its power. When we trust the Lord's message, when we surrender our life to the Lord's message and the Lord Himself, God provides the king. God provides the power. God provides the people. But also God provides the product. He brought forth 
His only begotten Son to be our Savior and Redeemer, to be God in the flesh and dwell among us. We simply, beloved, must trust His King, Jesus Christ. We must trust the message of the King, of the good news of the gospel. We must trust His power and not our power. As a matter of fact, the first thing that we should say when God speaks to us about working through our lives to accomplish His mission is not, I can do this. That's, that should be the last thing you can, should say when, when you feel impressed upon your heart that God has spoken to you about a message. Don't say, I got this. I can do this. Don't worry about it. Everybody get behind me and I'll lead you to the promised land. Don't say, I can do this. Just surrender your life to Him and say, God can do it. And I'll trust His message. And together we'll walk in the will of the Lord.